If you would, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Jude, uh, the book of Jude, Jude chapter 1, or the whole book of Jude, either one. Uh, we are going to be uh, at the end of Jude this morning. You know, at the end of September, we began a series in the book of Jude, and, and uh, Jude is, uh, is writing to the church. He's writing to believers, and in verse 3, he tells us, very uh, specifically why he's writing. I love it when they just tell you exactly what it's all about. And in verse 3 of Jude, he says, Dear friends, he says, Although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write and exhort you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once and for all. What Jude really wanted to talk about, what really was on his heart, the things that really got him stirred up were the things of the gospel. He really wanted to write a letter that centered around the idea that Jesus had saved his soul, that Jesus had saved him from his sin. And so before we get too much further this morning, I want to be sure uh, to, uh, to, to not miss that crucial very important fact that Jesus loves you. You need to know this morning that God is real. You need to know this morning that Jesus loves you. God loves you. You need to know that, the, that when you look around and you look at the brokenness in the world, even before the pandemic, we could look around and think, Man, we live in a world that is messed up. Yes, there are some beautiful things in the world at the same time, but we may look around at the world and think, man, what is wrong with the world? And you need to understand that what is wrong with the world has nothing to do with God, that the world is broken because of sin. I want to remind you this morning, before we go forward, that it is, that it is, it, it is if I can say it, it is sin that keeps us from God. That if you are separated from God for any reason, it's because of sin. It's because of the influence of evil and the fact that, 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 that maybe we have embraced that, and that is called sin. And you need to know this morning that, uh, that the same evil that separates us from God, it, it often not only does it separate us from God, but it often, uh, it often deceives us to the extent that we begin to think that maybe, uh, maybe we are too far gone for God's help. It, it deceives us to the, to the extent that at times we feel, we actually feel like maybe God doesn't love us or maybe we feel at times that we're not lovable, that we're not, uh, we're not worthy of that love. And in a sense, none of us are worthy. But, it, it, but friends, you have to know God does love you. We often deceive ourselves and allow ourselves to be deceived to the point of thinking we're too far gone for God. And we often... Sometimes when we're deep in, those, in that sin, one of the ways that Satan keeps us from climbing out of that hole and grabbing on to the hand of Christ that is reaching down to pull us out is he wants us to think that uh, and to wonder if God really does even love us. Yet Paul tells us, uh, tells us in Romans chapter 5, he says, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still 
sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? Friends, that means that, that you don't have to wonder, you don't need to question the reality of God's love because God proved He loved us, He demonstrated that He loved us in that He sent Jesus to die for us. I love it. It says, it says God proves His own love. He proves it how? In that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know what that means? It means that Jesus didn't die for the perfect person. <laughs> it means that Jesus did not die for the self-righteous because quite honestly there is no such thing. There are people that maybe think that they are righteous because of things that they do themselves, but scripturally we understand that if you think that, then you are deceived. There's no such thing as a perfect person. There's no such thing as those that are self-righteous. It also means that Jesus didn't just die for, for, for the people that, that have it all together and have it all figured out. It says that even while we were sinners, even while we were falling apart, even when we were lost and we were trying to figure out what to do, Christ died for us. Friends, I want you to know this morning that God is real. God loves you. He has proved his love and he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, for the sins of you and the sins of, of myself as well. Scripture tells us that if you will trust in him, that Jesus' death on the cross will be counted for you. All you need to do is surrender to the sufficiency of his sacrifice. Receive Him through faith. Repent of sin and resolve in your heart to follow Him. The Bible says you can be saved. That is the gospel that you really wanted to write about. Those are the kinds of things Jude really wanted to say. But instead, in verse 3, Jude says, But I found it necessary to write you and exhort you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once and for all. As we have already talked about, there was a, Jude was writing this at a time when false teachers had, had infiltrated the teaching and the leadership ministry of the church. The problem was is that it was hard to tell, for it was hard for many people in the general population to tell that the things that they were teaching were heretical, which means that they are false doctrines, that they are doctrines that go against the word of God, the desire of God. And, and they were teaching these distortions of truth. Were they teaching complete craziness the whole time? No. At times they were saying things that indeed were true, but then they were mixing in these other distortions of the truth with it. And, and, and Jude has realized, hey, this is dangerous. Because some people seem to be listening to what they're saying. People don't know any better, and they're buying into this junk. And so Jude says, be a contender. Just contend for, stand for the truth of the Word of God. Stand for the Gospel, the Gospel that was preached, the Gospel that you received. And he's talking about the Gospel that was preached in that day, which is the Gospel that you and I believe in, 
in this room that Jesus is Lord, that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God. He says, stand for the things that are right. So he spends a lot of time criticizing the bad teachings of these, of these, bad, of these false teachers. And in this last passage, Jude is going to leave us with a word about how it is. How it is that we are to contend. Because the truth is, if we're going to be a contender, we need to be focused. So we're in Jude chapter 1. We're going to start verse 20, read to verse 25, which is the end of the chapter. It says, But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, expecting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Father, we pray that this morning that you would help us to see how we could be focused, God, focused on you in order that we might contend for what is true. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In May of 2001, a young man named Eric, uh, Eric Weinmeyer accomplished something that 800 people try to do every single year. 800 people every year try to do this, but only 150 people succeed. And in May of 2001, Eric Weinmeyer reached the top of Mount Everest. And if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't impressive enough, you need to also take into consideration that Eric Weinmeyer is the first blind person to succeed in scaling the world's tallest mountain. He was born with a disease in his eyes, and by the time he was 13, he was completely blind. And he had a choice of whether or not he was going to focus on what he could not do. Instead, he made a choice to focus on what he could do, and he went further than anybody ever thought he could. Friends, here's the deal. Many times, we face choices in life. And the question is whether or not we're going to allow obstacles to stop us or if we're going to press on regardless of the obstacles and the opposition and the trouble that may come. It'd be nice if God, uh, if God would uh, magically uh, make everything easy for us. It'd be, it'd be nice if following God meant that things would always work out well and things would always, uh, people would always like us. The reality is, is that many times doing what is right requ requires overcoming obstacles. And, and uh, Eric Weinmeier, he was focused. If you're going to be a contender for the faith, if you're going to, if, if you're going to climb that mountain, that obstacle of contending for the truth in our culture today, you need to be focused. The question is, what do you need to be focused on? Well, 
you need to focus on and evaluate where you are in three important areas. Number one, to be a contender, you need to look in. You need to look in. Look inside. Uh, Jude says, but you, dear friends, you, he's talked all about these other, these other false teachers and the craziness, but you that know better, you that need to be contending and standing on what is true, you, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Jude uses a metaphor here of building something on a foundation. And that foundation is, is their holy faith. If you want to be a, a, a contender, friends, your life needs to be built on certain truths that are foundational to our faith. It's hard to be a contender of biblical faith when you have serious doubts about the foundational doctrines of Christianity. Got some things that, that we see in Scripture that, that in the Christian faith, these are non-negotiable. These are things that we believe. Number one is the reality of God. We don't doubt that God is real. We know that He is real. We, we don't doubt what we call the Trinity of God and that God is, is one being in three distinct personalities, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not three gods, but one God, three in one. It's called the Trinity. We believe in the deity of Christ. What that means is we believe Jesus was more than a good teacher. He was the Son of God. John uh, 1.14, Jesus is God in the flesh. We believe that. We believe in the depravity or the sinfulness of humanity. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have a sin problem, a sin nature. We also believe in the authority, reliability, and relevance of God's Word. We believe that everything we need for life, all the answers to everything in this world that we will ever need is in this book. We believe that the, the doctrines and the principles and the commands in this book are authoritative above any law, above any tradition, above any custom, we believe that this is the ultimate definition of truth. And because of that, we believe that you can trust it. And we believe that this Bible is not just an old book from thousands of years ago that doesn't mean anything for us today. We believe it is relevant, not just for today, but for forever. Amen. We believe those things. Not, not listed over here, but just a couple other things. There's the atoning blood of Jesus. The fact that we have a sin problem, but our sins can be atoned by the shedding of God's holy lamb, who is Jesus Christ. We believe that the blood of Jesus atones for sin, and it is applied, the atoning of Jesus' blood is applied to any and all who comes to God through faith in Christ, we believe because of what we see in this word that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. There is no grace and faith in any other name that brings salvation. That's what the Bible teaches. And friends, if these things are not mixed into the foundation of your life, it is going to be 
difficult, it's going to be nearly impossible for you to contend for the true faith in Christ because you will not have your life built on a solid foundation. And when the winds of change blow upon you and when, uh, and, and when the storms of life beat against that, that, that uh, structure that is built in your life, it will not be able to sustain because it is not built on the right foundation. Unfortunately, a lot of people's lives are built on what are not built on what God thinks. They're built on what the culture thinks. To be a contender, you need to look deep within yourself and ask yourself this question. Do I trust that the Bible is the authoritative and perfect word of God? Do I trust that? Do you trust it? Because if you do, then whatever the Bible says, and now now let me say this, you need to understand the Word of God in its context. So you could pull, anybody could pull a, a verse out of the Bible and, and make it sound like something that it is not. But as we read the Bible in its full context and understand the full story of God as it is presented here, we understand that the Bible is authoritative. And if you don't believe that, it's going to be hard to contend for truth if you're not sure what truth really is. Proverbs 30, verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure, and He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Isaiah 49 tells us, To those who put their hope in in the Lord will not be put to shame. Jude says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. He also says to pray in the Holy Spirit. He says, pray in the Holy Spirit. I mean, isn't that exactly what Paul tells the Ephesians to do in Ephesians 6 when he was talking about spiritual warfare and he was talking about how we're facing these forces of evil and he talks about putting on the armor of God. And in verse 18 of Ephesians 6, he says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints, for all the believers. Jude tells us we need to be focused. We need to look inside ourselves. We need to ask ourselves, Am I where I need to be? in my walk with Christ. Because friends, listen, it's hard enough to challenge somebody else to grow in their faith, but it's even harder when you're not growing in yours. How can you be a contender and help direct somebody in the right direction if you yourself on the inside are not where you need to be? I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. Nobody will ever be perfect. But are you walking with Christ? Look at verse 20. I want you to notice verse 20. He says, build yourselves up. Verse 21, he says, and keep yourselves. I want you to see those two phrases, build yourselves and keep yourselves. That, those are things that are intentional. Those are things that you have to do. Those are things that you have to choose to do. Those are things that, that take great Commitment. I'm reminded of the words of Francis Chan 
when he said following Christ isn't something that can be done half-heartedly or on the side. If you're going to be, if you're going to be praying in the Spirit, if you're going to be building yourselves up in your faith, you're going to be keeping yourselves in the love of Christ, that is something that takes commitment. It's not something you do half-heartedly. A lot of people in, uh, in our culture today, those that claim to be Christians, and many of them are, I'm not saying that they're not, but many of us who are Christians, sometimes we fall into this, uh, th- this trap of, of thinking, you know, I'm, I'm not going to really put a lot of effort into my faith. Uh, I'm going to do some other things. It's like, hey, I know I'm saved. I, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I checked the box. I was baptized. I really believe. I don't doubt that. So it's not like I'm going to the bad place when I die. So I've kind of got that on lockdown. So I'm going to focus on some other things. And I'm not saying that it's bad to focus on other things. But you cannot be a contender for the faith if you are half-hearted in your approach to the things of God. Jude's saying, be focused. Look inside. If you're going to be a contender, number one, look inside. What's going on in, in your heart? But then number two, he says, look out. Look outside. He says, uh, he says have mercy on those who doubt. Verse 22. He's telling us to look out or to reach out in our lives. If you're going to be a contender, if you're going to stand for truth, it's going to require you, church, to reach out to people. And he mentions three specific groups. Number one, he mentions those who doubt. Those are the people within the church, people that are starting to have doubts. Maybe some of the teachings of these false teachers are setting in. In today's culture, it might be the false, maybe false teachers within mainstream Christianity. Not everything considered to be mainstream Christianity is necessarily teaching the whole truth of God's Word. And so somebody may be letting some of that in and, and, it, and it becomes to kind of take root and it begins to change their the way that they view God. And so they're starting to have some doubts. They haven't really just really um, forfeited anything or they haven't begun to really fully deny anything, but they are having some serious doubts. They're having a lot of trouble. And Jude says, have mercy on them. Reach out to those people that are just beginning to be affected. Because those false teachings were causing many people to question the reality of their faith. It would have caused them to question the truth of the teachings that they had learned. It's one thing to... We're all going to have questions. It's one thing to say, I'm not really sure how all that works out. I'm trying to sort of understand how the puzzle fits together here. But it's another thing to say, I just don't believe that person. (laughs) I don't care what they say, you know. I don't care what it says in the Bible. I just don't believe it. I just don't know. Um, You know, it causes them to question the reality of of the truth. Jude says, have mercy on them. Listen, it's tempting to get overwhelmed with people who have doubts. Sometimes it seems like when we're dealing with people that are having doubts, it seems like they have lost all ability to think and reason. And Jude says, don't give up. Have mercy on them. Try to love them through it if you can. Love them through it if at all possible. It reminds me of a time when someone that I know went through a real difficult 
period in his life, and it was his second or third year of college, and the uh, things that the professors were throwing at him, and the influence of some militant atheist friends. And I'm not, when I say militant atheist, I'm not saying they're just like, well, I just don't believe in God. And, you know, they were like, I don't believe in God, and you're an idiot if you do. That, That was militant atheist people. And the influence on my friend was so great that he began to have serious doubts about God and the Bible, so much so that he was very mean and disrespectful and condescending and hostile towards the people in his life that loves him most. And his family could have given up on him, and many people would have said, well, if that's how you're going to be, fine. Could have dealt, they could have given up on him, but they had mercy on him because they loved him. And today, just a few years down the road, Some of the things that he had said in those days before were so scary, so frightening. If you're a Christian parent, there are things that you do not ever want to hear come out of your child's mouth. And these are the things that he was saying to his parents and his grandparents and his family. But today, just a few years down the road, he is a thriving young adult man of God, a husband and a father, somebody that I am very proud to know. And I think that's why Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 that that the Lord's servant is the one who instructs his opponents with gentleness. The Lord's servant is going to be the one that instructs his opponents with gentleness. John Wesley once said, watch over others as well as yourselves and give them such help as their various needs require. Not everybody has the same needs. Not everybody responds the same way. And so different people at times require different responses. John Wesley says, give them such help as their various needs require. Don't give up on those who doubt. Be gentle when you instruct them. Have mercy on them. But then then Jude tells us about another group. That was the first group. Here's the second group. He says, others. There's two groups of others in Jude. This is the first group of others. And he's talking about those that are in the church who are beginning to live according to false doctrine. They haven't quit coming to church. They haven't said, I just don't believe anything at all anymore. But they're coming to church and they're saying, well, I can be a Christian. I can say I'm a Christian and believe these things that go completely against the word of God. These are the others that Jude is talking about. And he says... For these others, we need to snatch them from the fire. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Verse 23. I want you to notice the picture here. Snatch them from the fire. The fire has not overtaken them yet. They are dangerously close to the flames. These flames are the flames of destruction. They've not yet been consumed by the fire. I know that a lot of times, by the way, when we hear fire in the Bible, we automatically think of the place of torment. And Jude could have been talking about the place of torment if he was referring to a group of people who all themselves were what we would consider false converts. So maybe they were people who never really were saved, never really understood, never really accepted whatever. Uh, and, and, and so he could have been talking about those people. But I think that, that more than, 
than the flames of hell. I think the fires in Jude right here really, uh, really represent uh, the, the fire of destruction, the, the pain, the suffering, the destruction of a life in, in time, the waste of time that, uh, that God has given to us, the, the, the destruction of something that God designed for a specific purpose and and it's like you know i i know people in my life i've known people for years who i believe uh are genuinely saved they have come to christ they have had no doubt that jesus died on the cross for their sins that he is the son of god they would they would say amen to that okay but yet for whatever reason for a variety of reasons they have begun to embrace some very dangerous and untrue doctrines. And I think those are the people that Jude is probably talking about. I do, by the way, also know many people who proclaim to be Christians, yet the fruit in their life just does not exist. And though their words are the right words, many times their lives don't reflect any faith in Christ at all. That, that does happen. But here's the deal. When the doctrines of your life are not consistent with the doctrines of God, then your life will move away from God's purpose, not into it. Okay? When the doctrines of your life are not consistent with the doctrines of God, then your life will move away from God's purpose and not toward it. Jude tells us to reach out to those people in order to rescue them. They need to be rescued. They're embracing some doctrines that are very dangerous. A lot of times we think, well, as long as you know, they believe Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that, that doesn't matter. And that is the primary thing, and that is the number one thing that we care about is the gospel of Jesus because we believe that if you connect somebody to Jesus and if they believe in the authoritative word of God and they have the Holy Spirit in their life, that God will, will, will uh, reconcile them and bring them to some understanding of a better truth, okay? We, we do believe that. But, but even people who believe in Jesus, they can be dangerously close to, uh, to disaster by embracing some of these false doctrines of the day. They need somebody to tell them. Snatch them from the fire. That's something that's intentional. It, it's something that could be risky. Sometimes it involves uncomfortable conversations, but when those conversations happen as a contender for the faith, we are to have mercy on them. And remember this. If you're ever contending for the faith with somebody who has a different set of beliefs about the gospel or maybe it's some of the doctrines in the Bible, remember this. It's not about you being right or wrong. It's about valuing what is true. It's not about you being right or wrong. It's about valuing what is true. That's when I, when I sit down with somebody, especially somebody of a different faith, and we're going to have a serious conversation. I say, God, reveal to us both truth. I myself do not want to be deceived by any perceptions that... I may have that are incorrect. God reveal to both of us that which is true and which is pure. It's not about winning an argument. It's about representing and valuing what is true. Reach out to those who doubt. Reach out to the others from snatching them from the fire. The third group that Jude's talking about, there's another group of others, and these are the people that are outside the church. These are people who 
fully deny truth. He says, have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now listen, when I think of the book of Jude, I think about this verse. This verse right here in the book of Jude is, is, is such a powerful verse because it summarizes so well in one verse so much of what you find in the full counsel of the Scripture that many people struggle with. A lot of people struggle with that balance of how do I reach people and, and reach them in a way that is loving and yet not get sucked into the same misconceptions that they are struggling with. See, according to the Jewish laws regarding ceremonial purity, a person could become unclean if they touched a garment that was considered unclean or another person that was considered unclean. And that way they would have been defiled and they themselves would have to go through a process of becoming ritualistically clean. And the picture that Jude is giving here is a warning to be careful when you're reaching out to those who reject truth on any level. Be careful. Yes, we got to love them. But you've got to be careful not to be pulled into the same things and the same misconceptions and the same deceptions that they have been pulled into. The New American Commentary says believers are to beware lest their mercy is transposed into acceptance and they themselves become defiled by the sin of those they are trying to help. See, reaching out to people of a different point of view involves a precarious balance in which love cannot be confused with approval. I want to say that again. Love should not ever be confused with approval. We live in a world that tells us that you show your love by some, to somebody by approving of every choice that they make. Jude says you can love somebody and not agree with them. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus says love your neighbor, don't agree. He didn't say thou must agree with everything your neighbor does. He says love them. We love them by trying to lovingly and with mercy and with gentleness, steer them towards the truth of God's Word. The truth is we live in a free country. People are free to make choices. People are free to have opinions. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, here's my opinion based on what I read in God's Word. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe that there is nothing better for you or for me or for anyone in this world than a relationship with Jesus. I don't think it gets any better than that. There's, there's nothing that, can, that is more valuable than that. I believe in the value of the things of God and that, that God's very best for you and me involves a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And therefore, because of that, because I believe in what's taught in the Word, because my life is built on the foundation of this Word, then I want, if I love you and if I care about you, what I want for you is God's very best for your life. If I really love somebody, I'm going to want them to be connected to God. I love the balance that we see here, showing love and mercy 
but yet maintaining the standards of God's holiness. Maintain the standards of walking with God. Folks, sin is corrupting. I'm going to say a couple things as we get ready to close here. When you reach out to those who reject truth, you need to be careful not to let their sin become your own. When you reach out to those who reject truth, be careful. Be careful. I'm not saying you've got to beat them over the head. You're not saying you've got to go to war with them. But I'm also saying be careful. This is what Jude teaches us. Be careful not to let their sin become your own. If you're going to contend for the faith, you need to be focused. To get focused, you've got to look in. Look into your heart. You look out because those are the people that you're going to encounter, that you're going to need to be a contender. You're going to need to contend with them for the things of God. But then the last thing is you need to look up. Look at verses 24 and 25. This says it all. Now, to him who is able to protect you from stumbling, God is able to protect you. To him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. If you're going to be successful, friends, at what Jude is calling us to do, then you have got to depend on God. If you're going to succeed in finding that balance that we're talking about this morning, it will only be by the power of God. I'm going to leave you with, with this quote from Dr. David Platt. He said, Nothing is impossible for the people of God who trust in the power of God to accomplish the will of God. Would you pray with me?